Hello and welcome to TNT, the technology and things podcast. Your host, Paul Ferraro, is a former IT exec and currently a technology advisor. Jeff Kruger, a fellow technology enthusiast, is the co-host. They both spent many years working for a Fortune 500 company and are both passionate about leadership, technology and the community. Hey, thanks for coming on our Technology and Things podcast, Ken. Really appreciate it. No trouble. I've been a long-time watcher, and uh, I, I know it's a lot of work to get a podcast going, but uh, you guys have a cadence down, and uh, I can't wait to uh, go through and learn, and uh, as I've learned many times listening to yours and other ones. Yep. And uh, Jeff Kruger is our co-host here. Hey, Ken. Hey, Jeff. Good to meet you. I wasn't sure your name was showing up as Paul. <laughs> uh, you know, we have to... We have to sort of keep things uh, confusing here, just to oh, that's keep right, your toes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're actually in a uh, a new studio, and it's been a, a bit of a uh, a bit of a transition. It's like a shotgun wedding here. Actually, <laughs> we just just got started. But uh, Ken, I, I think you and I actually have met in the past. I think when you were at uh, of startup uh, a prior startup. Yeah, yeah. Um, before this, I did some contract work for a company called Stellis, which was Samsung. Yes, mighty Samsung, the fifth biggest company in the globe. Uh, they right. tried to create a file system, and they respectfully wanted to keep it as a non-GA product. So they were just kind of vetting the marketplace. And everyone there knew the uh, expectations of part of it. And um, they decided that selling billions and billions and billions and billions of NVMe devices and memory devices was better than selling millions and millions of file system. Yeah, well, so, I think you you know this. I mean, creating file systems is not easy, and uh, <laughs> a it, lot of it people. It takes about five, five years to write a proven and resilient data path. About uh, one year for the architecture, and four years to do all the QA testing, all the resiliency testing, and make it robust and um, hard in the marketplace. Yeah, it takes a while, and uh, yeah, full disclosure, I spent twenty five years at EMC, now part of Dell. My brother's still there. Uh, one of my brothers is still there. My other brothers at Cisco. We're, we're a high tech family. But um, yeah, I sold mostly block storage and uh, on Oracle databases. So if they fit in a nice little uh, database, I knew how to sell that. Uh, 360 gigabytes at a time. Sorry to go back old old, uh, old school days as yeah. far as bids and RFPs we did. But uh, yeah, the good news now is I think 89% uh, IDC, we're big IDC clients, and I think it's out there and it's public knowledge. 89% of all the growth in the environment is unstructured data. So, you know, file and all AI and... Uh, I was talking with someone we were interviewing a sales rep, uh, a potential sales rep earlier today, and it was all, you know, he goes, my goodness, Kenny, you go to LinkedIn, all you see is AI, all you see is AI, it's driving everything. And I think coming out of COVID, and um, some states are ahead of California, we're all in California, at least uh, I know yeah. you're in California, I'm in California, I'm in um, beautiful Santa Cruz, um, people are looking for a competitive edge. And I know EvoTech spends a lot of time on that. And um I've known Jeff Klenner forever, and I've known Ned, your CTO, for a long time. And uh, I know you always have a con- your, your customers, um, you know, driving interest at heart, and you uh, galvanize and put together an awful lot of uh, solutions for them. But to answer your question, you know, as we come out of COVID, people are looking for a way to gain share and get a competitive edge, even more than ever. Um, those who have cash in the sidelines are using it to their advantage. Uh, it's not just Amazon making Amazon go. It's not just uh, the COVID business, which we can talk about later or the COVID resiliency business, or it's the autonomous uh, driving business. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's, I worked with you at uh, S- Samsung Stellis. Before that, I was at a, a startup uh, called SignNow uh, that I actually kind of created. The SaaS company, right? Yep. Yeah. So yep. it's, um, 
It's electronic, si- yeah, so electronic signing. So it's uh, DocuSign's number one, Adobe Sign's number two, Sign Now is number three. They were based out of Newport Beach. And uh, if you remember CUDA Sign, and no one does, uh, but no. it was a Barracuda signature product. And we took that code base with us, spun it out of Barracuda, and created a freestanding company called Sign Now. And uh, that, my goodness, I don't know what the math is from $200,000 to 59 million ARR, but that was fast. Wow. It was a small, mighty team. And, um, you know, we, 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 did a good jo- we did a good job on the green market and um, where people want to go with And we had one competitive advantage, one competitive advantage. If you were, let's say it wasn't COVID and you flew to O'Hare Airport or LaGuardia Airport, if your friend didn't pick you up, you probably would order an Uber. Would you ever order an Uber on a computer? No. No. You'd use a cell phone, right? <laughs> but every single day, people think they're saving time using DocuSign, using electronic signature that starts on a client. It starts on your computer. Critical flaw. It's, it's an interface that has an API. Uh, Sign now is an API that has interface. The difference is you can actually conduct business and initiate business in the field. So if you're Best Buy doing Geek Squad and they put in a uh, router, you can actually do business then initiate it in the field versus waiting for, we'll have the, we'll have the troops get back to you on Tuesday with a quote. You actually do it in the field. So there's a lot of instantaneous real-time business to be out there. Before that, I was at a startup called Veridin, which uh, if you if you remember at one point, the like button, L-I-K-E, uh, took off button from Facebook and made Facebook mobile sticky. At one point, Facebook was all on the desktop and hardly ever was mobile. Uh, LinkedIn had that same issue. How do you get people mobile? And they created the endorse button, E-N-D-O-R-S-E. Sorry to spell things, but my accent gets in the way. I'm from Boston originally. <laughs> but uh, we were in a meeting with LinkedIn and a small startup called um, Veridin, V-I-R-D-E-N-T, which is Latin for green. They were based in Milpitas. Uh, that was my, one of the startups we might have worked together on. But I was in a room and I came a guy named Jeff. I didn't know it, but he was a CEO, you know, very non-pretentious person. He goes, we need something that makes us mobile and sticky and we got to kill the latency here. And these guys um, tell us, um, his team, I won't say their names, um, but one of them is still there. Uh, and the other one has moved on and moved up. Uh, up the, they both moved up the, the food chain. But um, he came in, he goes, we got to compete with the stickiness of Facebook. We got to be the business equivalent of Facebook. And that's how LinkedIn created the endorse button, which did help them move into mobile a little bit more. That company was called uh, Veridin. It was bought by Western Digital. And I'm sorry, before that, I spent 25 years at EMC. So I was at EMC when it was a startup. We only sold memory cards and we went in the storage business. So real long kind of background on me. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like companies. Sorry, uh, one of my mentors, Jeff Goldberg, who's up in heaven now, said it's not the big that eat the little, it's the fast that eat the slow. And I like being in fast companies. And sorry, I, I just updated my backdrop. Um, if it's a podcast, you won't see. If it's a vlog, uh, you will. But Fast Company named us one of the 10 most fast-moving companies and most innovative companies in the world. Can't believe it. That's great. We don't have millions and millions of employees or uh, thousands and thousands of employees. So we were the smallest company named the most innovative company. Um, in AI by Fast Company this week, so I'm a change awesome. my backdrop. Yeah, it's 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 uh, incredible. So, but no, I, I like working at companies that are ahead of the market. And when the pace of the company that you work at is slower than the market, uh, my mentor also told me, Jeff Goldberg, the end is near. So you have to work faster. You always need one more person. You always have less resources than you really need. You always have less time than you need. You're always a half hour late for dinner or a half hour late for everything. But uh, that breakneck speed gets you ahead of the competition. So I hope that helps, Paul. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I was curious um, what was sort of special about Weka, 
and I think you already answered that and uh, around innovation and, and and the speed and the the velocity that they're that they're moving you know one of the things Ken, just uh, I follow you on on LinkedIn you do a lot of these uh, sort of walking little blogs where you, you you go in an elevator or you're down you're walking down the street you know what what's the what's kind of been the the response to that it seems like uh, it seems like it's really good I, I you know how'd you get into doing that it's kind of a neat thing. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I was uh, at one of the star- startups get bought or startups IPO. Either way, there's an exit usually. Um, um, hopefully, after one of those exits, I was interviewing for a position. I met with Mark Leslie. You guys probably remember yeah. Mark Leslie. Oh, yeah. um, I Veritas, think he's on yeah. nine to 10 boards, uh, board of directors, how he founds the time. I have no, no idea how he does that. He was the founder of Veritas. He actually gave me the inspiration what to do with Sign Now. When I met with him, I said, Mark, wow, you, you, you were the founder of Veritas. He goes, well, not really. I didn't write the code base. I just made it grow. And I used that same idea for Sign Now. But when I met with this, um, when I met with him at his house in Portola Valley, he has a beautiful house, but then next to it is a small, I guess you'd call it a garage. And it has a small sign next to it, tiny little sign that says Wall Street, which is somewhat <laughs> ironic that Portola Valley, if you've ever been there, or just, just think of a rural, very luxurious area, um, not far from Silicon Valley. But I'm meeting with him, and he was recruiting me for a CEO job that we uh, we couldn't come to terms on. But I said to him, I go, hey, uh, Mark, if I don't get this job or it doesn't work out together, can you sponsor me to get into Stanford's Graduate School of Business? And he said to me, he goes, Kenny, you're a capable person. Probably one of the best people I've met with you know, this year. However, you're not an astronaut and you're not an Olympian. You got no chance to get into Stanford Business School. <laughs> so I, um, like a lot of your guests, I took it as a challenge. I did get into Stanford Business School, Graduate Business School, um, not their full longer uh, MBA program, but the accelerated one. So, and yes, I was by far the oldest person in the class. It was a very global class and some of it was online, some of it was uh, face-to-face, uh, which was great, but I used it as an overall challenge. And um, I, I, I took it um, as a challenge to get in the Stanford Graduate School of Business. And one of the classes I took was called Power, P-O-W-E-R, Power. I won't say what former president we studied, both good and bad, but one of the, the teacher, um, uh, J- Professor Jeffrey taught, and I still think it's a class that's available at Stanford uh, that I needed to graduate. Um, it's not required, but as an option. It was a very popular class. Was you've got to kind of do some self-branding. It, it creates you to create your own trajectory. And I'm all about legacy. Uh, I have a unique last name, Growy. I have three beautiful daughters who are making their mark in the, uh, the world. Uh, one's in Queens, is 24, Aaron. Uh, my twins are in their last year. One's at UCLA. She's going to be a doctor, Samantha. And my other daughter, Olivia, uh, is an intern for me and for Zoom and Barracuda. And she's now at a startup called Data Anchor now. And um, she's getting, I graduated from Boston College. And I, I really do care about legacy. And so what happens is I needed something that was around legacy and I wanted something around power. And I go, you know what? I was the very first inside sales rep ever hired in the history of EMC. I've done inside sales. I've done sales. I've done DM. I've done area manager. I've done VP. I've done GM. Never been a solution engineer. I'm not that smart. Um, But I got a lot of things to show. So why don't I do a 60 second video that pays it back? There's a certain allure of Silicon Valley. I'm not going to kid you. Um, I remember the first time I flew out here, I, I, I remember driving down 101 and, and my heart was beating so hard. I go, oh my God, that's Oracle headquarters. Oh my God. There's, I mean, it was for me, they're just buildings, but for me, it was just different. Oh my God. I actually went to the Intel uh, Museum the very first time, which I think is the heart of Silicon Valley. For me, it was, I, mean, I glistened up. 
it was it was just it was everything. If for financial, I'm sure it's Wall Street or wherever it is for financial people. Um, for artists, it might be somewhere else. It might be a, a beautiful museum like the Getty. For me, it was just so exciting to be there in the middle of Silicon Valley. And what I basically said is, how do I make something that has a legacy, something lasting, and something that had some power that would help me control my own destiny? So I figured people can handle things in 60 seconds or less. So I created it. I wanted consistency. So it came up lunchtime Friday. When I came up, it was lunchtime Friday. The very first one I did, I think it was in front of Intel headquarters. I later did one. This is funny. I did one in front of In-N-Out Burger, <laughs> which a lot of people on the East Coast have heard is great. People on the West Coast obviously cherish it. I mean, why is there an hour line during lunchtime for In-N-Out Burger? It's good. Maybe it doesn't deserve all that line. I did it in front of Chick-fil-A. I did it in front of all in, in NVIDIA headquarters, whatever uh, different headquarters. But mostly I do it in front of the, um, the ocean. Uh, I live across from the ocean, Pacific Ocean, and there's a certain allure to some of these logos that we do business with or out there. And basically what I try to do, and thanks for asking, Paul, I try to pay it back. Yeah. Um, somehow, God willing, they just said to me, Kenny, when you're at college, your job is not to get good grades and um, go party all the time. Your job was to get a job and create a career, you know, learn in your 20s, earn in your 30s. I believed it. My dad was a plumber and I, I, I wanted to get a career. So while I was there, I was interning. I interned at EMC. I went to a trade show. I ran the marketing academy at EMC, which is the biggest organization that's out there. My point being is I was trying to fac uh, facilitate uh, a career for me and my friends. And so what I did is I learned so many times, literally on the streets, 33 years on quota. What's that? 130, if the math is correct. That's a lot of quarters. <laughs> 134 quarters. And I missed my quota three times. So 131 out of 134 quarters, I made quota. So to answer your question, long-winded, I wanted to give back. And somewhere out there, there's a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 22, sorry, I'm a dad of 22, 22, and 24. Somewhere out there, there's someone who needs something, whether it's Gary V, whether it's me, whether it's Brian Burns, and I was on his, Brian on his Bur show yeah. last week. Yeah. yeah, Burns is incredible. Now, he walks when he does it. I'm usually stationary. Um, but yeah, I mean, to say Gary V was inspirational, um, you know, when he, when one of the first ones I saw Gary Vee, he did in the back of a yellow cab. Um, so you can tell it was a little older one. Uh, Brian Burns, you know, walks through neighborhoods and we kind of did a, uh, I guess you'd call it a cross pollination of our two last week. And uh, to show the amount of people who watched it was off the, uh, you know, off the charts. Des Blanchard had a podcast with me and we had 432,000 views in the first 24 hours. So it does connect when you have this cross pollination. So thank you for doing yeah. what you're doing. Um, I do mine in 60 seconds or less. Um, I usually think about it for weeks. I don't pre-record them that much. Sometimes I serendipitously do it, but I do it real. I really do do it to try to give back to the 20, someone in their 20s who start in the market, who maybe someone gave a negative bias about sales and maybe it shouldn't be, or maybe you have negative bias about tech and there shouldn't be. And um, nowhere out there is the variability and the leverage that's available out there. But thanks for noticing it, Paul. And yes, I did do uh, one in Elevator. I did an I Elevator pitch in an Elevator. That's cool. And um, I try to make it fun. You mentioned uh, Brian Burns and, and uh, actually, and, and Mark Leslie was, was kind of made me think about it too. But you guys, you mentioned something about the Mount Rushmore of storage. About like, you know, and I think Moshe... Uh, Yanai from from EMC was 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 one of the ones that you, you said if there was a, a a Mount Rushmore. So I thought it would be fun. I I've got I came up with some other people for the for the Mount Rushmore of storage, Jeffrey, and and Ken and I'm curious. You know, Mark Leslie could be actually a good a good uh, a good candidate for that. But I'm I'm curious what what you would say, Jeffrey. Do you have any any quick thoughts on who else you would put up on that 
Mount Rushmore. Oh, geez, come on! Talk about put me on the spot here with no research. I'm not gonna. Ahead of time. I'm not gonna like tell you in advance. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you got to pass on me. Okay. This time now. All right, Ken. What do you think? Who Who else would go up there? Oh, let's Let's do this real time. Moshe is definite. He's one of the one of the. Two, he's done yep. three companies to my knowledge. And uh, sorry, one of the last meetings I had at EMC, he was in the meeting. And he was supporting me, which was great. He was in. Sorry, he uh, was in a meeting with me when I was trying to sell. Ready for this? I was trying to sell EMC as a general manager something called StoreWith, which was a concept of selling um, SRDF as a service. Uh, yep. So it, was cla- it, was, it was basically replication as a service. So basically trumping SunGuard as a service. Sorry to throw some old out there. Moshe stood up in the meeting and goes, that's exactly what we need. And that was, that was happened August of 2001, right before 9-11 happened. Imagine if we had that service. So as you probably tell, I didn't win the argument, but Moshe was behind me. So Moshe, he's number one, pillar one of there. I'm biased. Dick Egan, I think, is certainly the E of the EMC, um, considering the reason EMC existed. And I, sorry, when I joined EMC as an intern at uh, Boston College, all the kids went in my group in marketing. All the kids, Zim if you're from Japan, China, <laughs> West Coast, East Coast, they all want to be in my group because people go, I get this. People need a choice. You mean you buy a WAN computer and you have to buy really bad disk drives at <laughs> like over list price? Yes. Isn't there a choice? No. Oh my God, that company EMC is going to, you know, look at everything in life. Choice is everything. Why do we have 600 channels now for TV? And like Bruce Springsteen said, 700 channels and nothing's on. But Dick Egan would be my submission. Um, I think Tom Mendoza. Tom Mendoza. I mean, he's very endearing. Now, I realize he's more on the sales side. Sorry, you're talking to a lifelong salesperson who grew up to a general manager and now executive. Yep. I did have Dave Hitz on my list. So that's oh, the okay. one I thought of while we were uh, sitting here. Yeah. But, you know, okay. I, I had Dave Hitz, yeah. But Tom Mendoza as well. I mean, you, you probably need both those guys. <laughs> uh, maybe Hatfield from Pure. Um, you know, so I, I, I'd say Moshe. Uh, Dick Egan, I'm a disciple of Mike Rutgers, the second CEO of EMC, who really grew EMC. Uh, so again, he wasn't a founder, but he grew it. Uh, but no, I think Mendoza deserves some votes. Uh, Dave, I read his book, Castrate the Bull. I think it's called. Um, yeah, what it How is. to Castrate uh, a Bull and something and something else. I think else. that's just it, How to Castrate a Bull. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, How to Castrate a Bull. So I guess you'd have to make a decision. Are you going founders? you going engineering, because without engineering, nothing happens. Or you go sales, because without sales, nothing happens. So Mendoza probably deserves some votes. Um, I know he wasn't the CEO, but you know um, he probably deserves Egan, Moshe. Um, I, I'd probably say Les- Leslie for the backup world. I mean, yeah. when I was in its heyday, um, you know, people would buy uh, Oracle database, a Sun UE10K, the Starfire proc with Scott McNeely. I've been on his talk with him a lot for his podcast. He actually helps out. He shows up on mixtapes, which is like our internal podcast but people would buy you know by default the veritas product both for um you know volume management and then for net backup that was the default that was the oh sorry, yeah the emc of backup in my opinion for enterprise backup so maybe leslie deserves a nod or two um but that'd be a, a great choice but I, I definitely think dick egan i definitely think moshe um tom mendoza possibly mark leslie possible and there's probably eight to ten that we can debate through yep yep no that's fun so i i, I it, I like uh, Jeff and I always, you know, we we've been in the storage industry a long time, like like you have, and and so it's it's fun when you find someone else that's kind of knows the names and the people and remembers all that all that stuff. So actually, we we uh, I, I I worked with Weka very early on, actually before it was uh, 
I think it was like before it was even 1.0, we had tested it out um, uh, when I was at Qualcomm. And oh. uh, so I had I'd met with Omri and, and uh, um, a number of your, your folks there and, and uh, you know, definitely was, was impressed. And uh, it's neat to see that, you know, how it's kind of continued on and, and where you're going with it. It seems like AI has really been the one that, that's, it seems like you've got a lot of excitement around that. Like that's been where the growth opportunities really exploded. Is that, is that kind of where you're seeing most of the traction or is HPC still taking um, off as well? Well, what we're starting to see is in the, I'll call it the global 500, people are pilfering and recruiting the HPC geniuses. So they're grabbing the HPC guys and say, hey, um, no offense, uh, but um, come here from Stanford or come here from MIT or come here for Penn and stop trying to find the 10th planet. We need you. <laughs> um, they'll recruit you. That person becomes a chief data officer, kind of a liaison uh, between the CIO and the rigor of, of IT and the creativeness of data scientist. And uh, yeah, you mentioned AI. Yeah, go to LinkedIn today and try to find anything on AI. It's all over the place. It's ubiquitous. But um, no, specifically, Weka's success is all around autonomous vehicles. So you probably know the world's richest person, or at least you think he's right now, even more than Jeff. Um, but Alon is the richest person. And uh, yeah, he makes a heck of a battery. But without someone <laughs> helping the final systems, um, you know, autonomous vehicles, I don't think they'd be the valuation they are now. And um, that's a, you know, that, that, that's a, a company without naming its name yep. um, that started small, you know, literally 50 terabytes to start. And, you know, and now it's, I can't explain how, how, how large they are, but we're a competitive edge for them. Um, so it's not just AI, it's also life sciences. Uh, we were involved with two of the three companies that made the vaccine and more importantly, the vaccine submission to the FDA. And you think about it, if you could name the names, not the third one, but if you name the names of the people that were the vaccine, they weren't the biggest pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. They, yeah. they were the fastest. Specifically, oh. the first mover was the smallest or one of the smallest. How yeah. did they do it? But if you think about it, if you have a bunch of scientists and sorry, not to compare Microsoft Word versus Google Docs, but take that parallel uh, parallelism over to, you know, scientists. You're in COVID world. The world's trying to get their life back. Would you rather be using a parallel file system that can run in the cloud and you could have all 2000 scientists all racing the globe all at the same time using and doing, you know, regression testing and A-B testing? I'm not a scientist, so I apologize. But as they do it, would you rather do that? Would you rather tell all the scientists, hey, you can use our database between 1145 and 12 on Tuesday. Good luck with getting the cure done. <laughs> so you know, back to our point. The the fast beat this the 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 the, uh, the bigger and that really helped us. So life sciences is huge. Uh, we our biggest customer as far as terabytes is uh, Genomics England. They started with us back when you started with us in Qualcomm, Paul, and uh, David Ardley, uh, who started us there, started us with you know small, and now they're up to you ready for this eight petabytes hot and over seventy petabytes cold through an object store through Quantum, the former Western Digital product, and then they do another seventy petabytes to AWS. They are um, Europe's former biggest Isilon customer. They're our biggest customer as far as an NVMe tier, NVMe tier, sorry, easy for me to say. They're also uh, Quantum's biggest customer and they're also AWS's biggest customer in Europe. As you probably know, they were designed to try to do 5 million genomes by the year 2025. They uh, pivoted like we all had to, uh, almost like one year ago to the day and said, let's work on COVID resiliency. Because at some point being in England, and if we stored our information also with the Swiss Institute of Bioinformatics, we could be agnostic. So while China was blaming people and the United States was blaming people, they could stay neutral and can work on COVID resiliency. 
And that was really, really revolutionary because that allows a trifurcation. Now, some places like Israel have gone ahead and they've got above 50 percent of their population done. I myself have never got a COVID shot. I'll wait my time um, because I'm I'm 54 and I don't have asthma. So I should I should I'm months away from getting my but other people should get them earlier. But we have life sciences. We have life sciences analytics in the case of uh, COVID resiliency. And believe it or not, the amount of petabytes, almost exabytes you need to do the algorithms on resiliency is more than actually doing the cure or it's a septic uh, submission to the Federal Drug uh, Administration, you know, through Fauci and people like that to get sure it went through in his organization. So that's a big one. And then the one we don't talk about as much is financial analytics because it doesn't, you know, sell as many magazines or it doesn't get the news right. as much as, um, you know, in a COVID world. So AI is huge, whether you do an Amazon Go or, you know, Thomas Vehicles and you can name the names. Um, but for financial analytics, uh, quick, quick story. I mean, I, unfortunately, I have allergies. If I go to a CVS and I go to buy Claritin D, if they're out of stock because of COVID and I have to go to six different CVSs, I'll swipe my credit card trying to buy Claritin D because they're out of stock. I don't want my credit card company, whatever brand you might say, probably based in New York City or Richmond, Virginia or wherever. I don't want them shutting off my credit card thinking that I'm, you know, I'm the new guy going to make a meth lab. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to a meth lab. I'm just trying to buy one box of Claritin D so I don't sneeze all the time. And um, one, a couple of those credit card companies and their divisions and subsidiaries use Weka to stop false positives. Because you think about the user experience, you shut me off falsely, I might switch brands. Right. And now the whatever thousands of dollars per month that me and my extended family spend on that go away to another brand um, for alienation of the user experience. So it's all around either creating the need for an AI solution, a competitive edge, all around life sciences, all around financial analytics. But AI is a huge driver. And, um, you know, quick one, Paul, you didn't ask it, but like every time RECA puts a plant, you know, plants a flag in the ground, and we hope to do it with EvoTech going forward as much as possible. I know we talk with you all uh, very, very often, whether it be some of your clients in San Diego and the greater area. But when we plant the flag, for every dollar of license we put in, there's eight to $12 worth of drag. And let me be specific. That could be a new HP DL325 AMD based chipped uh, platform that people use. It could be an object store with Scality or Cloudian uh, or IBM or uh, Dell's ECS product. It could throw out another object here going off to um, uh, Amazon Web Services. So that planting the flag for every dollar that we put in, usually it's a data scientist or CDO who finds us and says, I need your speed, create a tier zero because without you, the rest doesn't matter. We plant that flag and then eight to $10 to $12 comes from that. Usually that's an on-premises, uh, two thirds of the time it's an on-premises solution through the Hewlett Packard, Dell, uh, Supermicro, Penguin Computer, Attachment Tower is one of our, our greatest partners, um, as I mentioned all the way through it. Um, or they do the whole thing in the cloud or the hybrid and do between the two. Um, I, I think Jeff was asking before we started and I think you were asking as well, you know, what's the differentiator for Weka? And I know there's other brands that are out there, but to have a modern parallel file system that you can start in your hot tier, move to a cold tier, which is your object, either on premises or in the cloud, and then off to the cloud, and then come back off of it all in the same namespace is unique to us. Yeah. And that's powerful. And then it doesn't matter if you like HPE, doesn't matter if you like Dell, doesn't matter if you like Supermicro, doesn't matter if you attach a Vitara, we're agnostic. You might say, wow, that go-to-market sounds like Pat Gelsinger's market or Carl, um, Carl Eschenbach's market or Diane Green's market at VMware. It is. It is. I work for Pat at, at EMC and uh, uh, being agnostic and letting people choose, which was the origin of EMC. And my last position at EMC when I ran the Flash Group was let people have choice, let the best product win, 
and we'll be there any way you want to do it. You want to do cloud? We got it. You want to do 50 terabytes to start? We got it. You need to grow to an exabyte like the federal government? We got it. You need to move it over to an object tier and bypass your backup vendor and eliminate your disaster recovery vendor because you just want to go hot to object to the cloud and back? We got it. Hopefully that uh, makes an awful lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm curious, who, who are you typically uh, competing with these days? Well, there's a couple of legacy parallel file systems. Uh, GPFS, I call it. Uh, I think IBM calls it Spectrum Scale. Yeah. Um, that's that. That's one. That's um, a beast. And then obviously yeah. Luster um, <laughs> is out there for the parallel file systems. Um, right. To be brutally honest, we either compete for new wins or existing with Isilon. Yeah. You know, I mean, those so are both pretty complex uh, systems to to get going. So. Um, yeah. I would, uh, an example, uh, one of our accounts, uh, Oklahoma Medical Research Facility just went public with us last week. Um, they bought, they started with only 68 terabytes with us, so not that large. Um, the sales cycle was 30 days. Um, to be brutally clear, they got some donations for the servers. They got donations for the file system. They got donations for the network. Um, they paid for the Weka license because they needed advantage. They didn't want to take 70 days. Because at the end of the day, their job as data scientists is not to take donations. Their job is to get something done. And when the job for, so for research, genomics research, took 70 days to run, running Isilon, they needed to make a change. So even though they were granted to them, they paid money for Weka, not an arm and a leg, um, less than six figures. And they got it going, and they literally had it going, Paul and Jeff, in less than 30 days. And uh, they were able to make a difference. So instead of 70 days, that genomics workload took less than seven days. And we're trying to get that even faster. So to answer your question specifically, you can turn it lowest. Uh, I think the lowest configuration is 50 terabytes. You can do in the cloud. They actually did a POC or we call it a POV, proof of value. Yep. And they did it on premises using Supermicro Kit. Um, I think they used a couple of big twins and they had resiliency. So um, mostly it's people who have Isilon and they respect Isilon. Uh, that, that account I talked about, Genomics England, they were Europe's largest Isilon customer, 28 uh, terabytes. Um, you know, um, petabytes, uh, probably. Petabytes, yeah. Petabytes, yeah. Petabytes. I'm sorry. I misspoke. My fault. Uh, 28 petabytes. And they had never had a failure. They liked it. Their problem, though, Paul and Jeff, is that they had 10 storage administrators. And in COVID time, that's a problem. They couldn't get in the data center. So they had to switch to an environment you can, you know, do online and have a, um, you know, we call it Weka Home. We can, you know, actually manage it remotely. And they got down to part time of one person. They did not lay off those nine individuals, Paul. And Jeff, they actually repurpose them to other more proactive activities to gain share and do other things for it. But to answer your question specifically, there are two legacy parallel file systems that take quarters and quarters to put in. Yeah, oh yeah. Ours take hours to put, I'm sorry, le sorry, 15 minutes to deploy. You can spin up Weka on AWS in four clicks. Um, in fact, some customers might do it right now. Um, and then once you get it going, you're having a production within hours. And then what we, you know, what's been great with us is not only do we throw off eight times that for the VAR ecosystem, of which EvoTech's one of the leaders in the world in that, but uh, the repeat buys tend to be very lucrative because you say, wait a minute, I got a really good tier zero. How can I make my tier two and tier one better? And um, you buy different, and it's off the shelf hardware. We work with everything. It's one global namespace. And then let me throw a word out there. Uh, Gartner came up with it and I'll try to repeat it. He goes, um, Julia Palmer gave it to me, a very well-known analyst. Actually, she worked in California um, at GoDaddy, and she built one of the first data marts in the world before she went over to Gartner. She goes, Kenny, what Weka does different is extensibility. The fact that you can start in the cloud and move to on-premises or start on-premises and go hot to cold or cold to hot and move it up and you never leave the same namespace, that's extensibility. That's incredible. 
You've got data mobility. You've got to talk about that more often. But uh, thanks for asking questions and teeing them up. Yeah, uh, Paul and Jeff. absolutely. So have, have you done, have you been on uh, Clubhouse? <laughs> Just last night was the first time I did it. I did it last night. At I know it's random, but. I feel like you 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 would be great on there. I mean, you know, doing like a, a just thinking about the show you did with with Brian and talking about leadership and 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 sales and some of that kind of stuff. I feel like it's a great platform for that. You know. Well, uh, what happened to me last night? To be brutally honest, <laughs> I got invited um, by uh, one of the people who recruited me to EMC, and then he invited a venture capitalist, Peter Bell, who knows a lot about storage. He's a, in, um, he's on the board and an early investor in many storage companies. In fact. He was the CEO and founder of Storage Networks. Oh, nice. Talk about storage. So maybe yeah. Peter should have been on Mount Rushmore. But <laughs> he was a cloud version of storage probably two decades ahead of his time. And him and Bill Miller started Storage Networks, and they were incredible. I actually was the gentleman at EMC that sold to Peter. But Peter was the host. Um, you know, he went through Harvard Business School, a uh, good friend and ally. And we, we, we uh, golfed together at Pasachempo just last month. But he, uh, he's on Clubhouse. I sent him a text, and I said, I don't know Clubhouse. I'll be a half hour late. I had a customer uh, meeting. Full disclosure, it was finishing up in Germany. It was really off hours for them. But I showed up at Clubhouse at 5.30. Um, I looked at the UI. It looked incredible. Um, probably like the first time you went to LinkedIn and the first time you went to Facebook or the very first time you were on Instagram, you're like, wait a minute, I'm going to look around a little bit. Why well, no time to look around? <laughs> I showed up, and there was a few hundred people. Peter, God bless him interrupts the whole thing, clears his throat and says, here's Ken Groey. I knew him when he was a sales rep. He's been a very successful CEO. He's now at a, a place. Um, and I, I didn't know the whole cadence at Clubhouse. Yeah. So I asked a question, you know, like most sales rep, you, you know, most sales reps are like good doctors. If you go to the doctor, <laughs> you don't walk into a doctor's office and three seconds later say, let me get the cast for your arm. And you go, wait a minute, my arm's not broken. How do you know my arm's broken? Don't you want the full checkout first and then you figure out your arm's broken? You know, of course, so a good salesperson asks a million questions. You act like Columbo. You pretend people are throwing a porcupine to you. You know, you want to, if someone throws you a porcupine, you want to grab it for as quick as, quick as you can get <laughs> with the spikes out of there. So, but no, I'll, I'll probably do something at Clubhouse um, over time and I'll get my toe in the water. Uh, but um, what, I, what I found is, sorry, for those who are marketeers that are out there, I made a decision. Um, you can either run your own podcast or be a frequent guest to others. And our decision was this. Um, if you go and you do a Google search for anything, if you Google search world's fastest file system, you'll get to Weka, for example. Most people, think of yourself as a consumer, you'll gloss through the paid ads. Everybody does. You typically won't do it because you don't want the cookies and you're looking and you don't want to be hounded and you know remarketing is going to get all over you. So you scroll down to the first authentic lead. And you typically go to a site like uh, Gartner's Pure Insights or G2 Crowd or whatever you're out there or whoever wrote the Wikipedia page. But my point being is my theory was if I could be a frequent guest on Joe Rogan or Brian Burns or Dez or your show or the Data Chiefs I'm on next week. My point being is if I could be a frequent guest, it's a little bit more organic than if we ran our own show. Yeah. Yep. So that, that was my decision. No, it's. Not, I think it's cool because then you can you can also go into you know totally different topics. You can kind of go wherever you need to go. It's, you're not you're not bound by any kind of particular topic. Like one last week you were talking about leadership. The week before you're you're talking about technology. The week you know it's sort of you know could go anywhere, which is great. Yeah, it was it was ironic. We were talking about the Mount Rushmore storage when I was on Clubhouse. Uh, Peter put me on the spot. You know, everyone should be able to talk about their company and themselves for five seconds, which I was doing it. But as I did it, I didn't quite know what was going on. All of a sudden, a balloon or, you know, some type of icon comes out. And the UI is incredible for Clubhouse. But I looked at it and says, Bill Scannell, 
wants to grab you to another room. Bill Scannell was my boss four different times yeah. at EMC. <laughs> he still is the number one salesperson, at, sales executive at Dell. And I didn't know what was going on. So I didn't know if he was saying, good job on your speech or come to a different room with me. I don't know. And that's the thing. And that's what I've heard is that when people are, are actually speaking, they can get inundated with different, you know, people are kind of communicating with them and it can be very distracting for them because they're like, they don't know, like you just said, where are you supposed to go somewhere else? Uh, you know, they're trying to say hello, all these different kind of things. So I think there's there's still some UI stuff to work out for the, for the speakers and yep. some of that. But uh no, yeah, that, Paul and Jeff, cool. you guys are very astute. I, I, I was, well, this is good. Um, I, I do a lot of, uh, the, the average people who watch Lunchtime Friday, which is only 60 seconds, is over 17,000. That's my average. I did some demographics, and I'm so happy that over 65% of the audience that watches it is below 30. And uh, wow. that's, so it's hitting the mark where it should be. And that's cool. uh, I'm kind of unique. I've lived in four or five different places. I grew up, I still have the Boston accent. I've lived in Florida. I've lived in New York. I've lived in Minnesota. I lived in Ohio. I lived in Pittsburgh. I, and now in California. So I've lived in a bunch of different places. So I have a different following. And I've, I've went to a bunch of different places. And I've kind of done technology. I've kind of done general management, kind of done executive, kind of done sales. So I kind of bring out a different audience. But you are right. When I was on Clubhouse, Sorry, I'll, uh, one of my flaws, I'm easily distracted. Um, but yeah, it was when someone I really knew, I mean, Billy Scandal, for goodness sakes, he went to my grandmother's funeral when I worked for him at EMC. So I've known him for 30 plus years. I was I was just distracted whether he was giving me a high five on some media. <laughs> I really didn't know, but I was just kind of confused as part of it. Yeah. But, um, That's but yeah, awesome. I'll probably try to embrace that technology. But uh, I, oh, I'm sorry, to my point on Clubhouse, looking around, Back to the old analogy, you learn in your 20s, you earn in your 30s. If you looked at the demographic that I went to on Clubhouse that Peter Bell spoke to last night, and it was actually sponsored by Randy Seidel, who's creating something called Sales Community, a quick proud out, a shout out to both of them. And then Peter works for Amity Ventures, who gives a lot of people uh, their first break as a startup, their, ser- their seed money or their Series A money. I looked around, the demographic was exactly what I think you wanted for Clubhouse. It was sub 25, sub 30, and exactly like you guys said, uh, 16 people reached out to me and I thought my speech was awful. Just to be clear, I thought it was awful uh, because I was distracted because of what I'd said when Bill Scandal's pop came up. I even sent a text to Peter Bell apologizing. But I got 16 different people reached out to me on LinkedIn. Two of them asked for just a quick 20-minute Zoom to go through advice. So wow. it's hitting its mark on its demographic. And then a quick example, when I built Sign Now or built up Sign Now, again, like Mark Leslie was not the founder of Veritas. I was not the founder of Sign Now. But our average user of someone using sign now was 27 years old. The average age of someone using DocuSign was 49. So we did hit the mark for our demographic. And um, that's why I talk so much about this chief data officer. If there's someone in the HPC world or the number two or number three person who's on their way to a PhD gets uh, poached by the corporate world and commissioned with creating a data lake or some type of competitive edge, we want to get them on their way up. We want, like you said, Paul, when you were at Qualcomm, we want all the universities using Weka, whether they pay for it or not, or the university pays for it or not, just using Weka. And kind of like when I went to Boston College, it was a giant donation from uh, Steve Jobs. Um, and the reason why I'm biased towards Apple, I'm just used to the interface. I want people to be used to the Weka. And our, our founder, Laurent's adamant about this. Our founders, um, you mentioned Army already, and Mior, our chief data scientist. We want people using Weka. At, at for free or almost semi-free uh, because there's some cost to the data center to provision it, but using it so that they basically, like, here's my Weka Wow button. Right. Wow. Basically <laughs> saying that's what they're used to in the marketplace. That's our first uh, yeah. Weka Wow button on the show. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Well, Ken, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your thoughts and everything. It's been uh, great catching up with you. I mean, you you got you got a lot going on, and it's uh, it's really been great to to catch up and and and, and love following you and, and seeing what you're seeing what you're doing every day. Well, uh, Paul and uh, Jeff, thanks for doing what I was not willing to do, which was do the logistics to start your own. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I know there's a pain to pitch your own tent and do it, so thank you. Scheduling guests are tough. Your schedule is so busy. You know, we had to reschedule our own. So uh, I'm glad you did this. I love TNT. I wish you the best on that. Please do me a favor. Say hi to Jeff Klenner. I remember when he was an up and coming uh, junior sales rep. Um, and it's so great to see him as president. I love his social posts, uh, how he talks about family. Yeah. And then shout out to Evo Tech. You guys do it right. You care about the ecosystem. You tend to pull things in. You know no one can do it alone. Um, you represent lots of brands, but they tend to be the up and coming brands. And you tend to put things into your sandbox and your environment um, when, to be brutally honest, if you're a Fortune 500, you don't have the time and you can't have the risk um, profile to do it. So you might do it for them so you get cutting edge. And it's a big difference. I mean, uh, Elon Musk couldn't be Elon Musk if he didn't take risk with the, you know, something like something like a parallel, you know, a modern parallel file system that's limitless. Yeah. So that certainly helps. And then also say hi to Ned, your CTO. He's uh he gave us a good uh, once over on the Samsung company before that. But uh, I appreciate doing something that I was unwilling to do. Thank you for reaching out to me. As you probably know, I reached out to you. I'd, I'd love to be in this podcast and a uh, big fan of TNT. And uh, let's hope the ratings are as good as Ted Turner's TNT. I hope so, too. Thanks so much, Ken. Great to great to talk to you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>